Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online with you at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been doing it for a long time and financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. You can text the show this afternoon on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. At C Spire Business, they think your organization deserves more than a one-size-fits-all phone system. That's why... They work with you to build a voice over IP solution perfect for your needs. Take advantage of a limited time offer and learn more at cspire.com slash business. What's up, Borky? Not a whole lot. You having a good day? Yeah, trying to. You at a loss for words? Oh, I'm just, you know, nothing really to report. It's, Fair enough. We've fallen into a routine, which is nice, um, with the baby. Still not sleeping all that much, but uh, at least like it's kind of given us a sense of normalcy. I can I can work from home and work at home and stuff for the first time in a little while, so I'm getting more done than I was for the first few weeks. And yeah, it hadn't been too go. bad. There you go. Hey, Dad, what's up? Not a whole lot today. Been a pretty Has slow the. Day has the temperature started dropping in Starkville yet? Uh, when I was last outside, it was still warm's not the right word, but it wasn't cool. Yeah. But I, I believe that is coming soon. Yeah, it's coming. Um, I guess you're an hour and a half to the east of us, so it's uh, it's on its way. A little bit of rain possibly coming with a big old cold front. Uh, we go today from what almost sixty to a high of forty-eight tomorrow. Gonna be nice for football on Saturday. High of fifty-six and sunny in Oxford. Obviously, Mississippi State has the open date. And then I was looking ahead at the forecast next Tuesday. This is in Rippy's wheelhouse. High of thirty-two, low of sixteen next why, Tuesday. Why is that my wheelhouse? Oh, I don't know because you're like the weather guy. You love cold weather, especially in the cold blood baseball. The latter part might be true. I don't know about cold weather. You are cold-blooded? Yeah. Like a reptile? Cold as ice. Yeah. Fair enough. If it's going to be so, that cold, though, it might as well snow. See, like, temperatures that low suck unless there's snow outside. I could deal with 30 straight days of snow 
and be fine, but 30 straight days of high of 32 with no precipitation would bother me. Why does snow make it better? Well, it's nicer looking. Because he wants you, to build a snowman. Yeah. My my two my dogs love playing in the snow, and it gives me an excuse to go out there. and It's just it's better. When you go outside and there's snow on the ground, it's uplifting. When you go outside and it's debilitatingly cold, you just want to go back inside and do nothing. At least it gives you incentive to do things. If you have a choice between the two, you always take snow. Yeah. I like snow when it's falling, and then I like snow for a day or two, and then it's like, all right, get on out of here. Either that or give me more fresh snow, because the you know the grossness of two days after it snows in Mississippi, it's just like it gets brown and the roads are slushy and, you know, just a mess. Hey, Dad's over there eating yellow snow. <laughs> they said it was lemon. Uh, Lemon-flavored snow. Uh, what's coming up this afternoon? Lee Sterling will join us from Paramount Sports. We'll take a look at some of the games, including the big one in Tuscaloosa this weekend with LSU and Alabama. Big number on the Ole Miss game against New Mexico State. We'll see what Lee wants to do with that. Um, so that's coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, we will talk some football. Deuce McAllister joins us from the Saints Radio Network as the Saints get ready for a home game this weekend. Promised it to you yesterday, never got around to it. Zombie apocalypse, Mike Leach style. Now you will anxiously await to uh, hear what uh, Mike Leach has to uh, has to say. So all of that's coming up this afternoon with you. Not a... How do we grade this weekend going into it in terms of interest on the college football front? Nationally, it's really high. Okay. But here in Mississippi, I, I cannot imagine it being lower. Safe for Southern Miss, they've got a really important game at the Rock, which, by the way, there's no excuses. That place should be packed and rocking on Saturday. I mean, no excuses whatsoever. Outside of them, uh, the SEC schools, I, I cannot remember. I've only been in Mississippi for nine years of my life. A collective weekend where the interest is lower. Ole Miss playing New Mexico State, who is 0-8 at 3 o'clock opposite LSU-Alabama and Mississippi State with an open date, which perhaps makes Haydad's interest a little bit higher than it would have been otherwise. That is correct. In so much as you get to prop your feet up on Saturday and throw something on the grill and watch ball all day. I'm frying chicken. On the grill? No, no. <laughs> Who fries on the grill? That's that's death waiting to happen. Is that even? I mean, yes, it's possible. It just would be really difficult. You could put Why a cast iron skillet that? on the grill, and then he'd have you know a huge pot of oil next to an open flame. I'm sure it would go great. Yeah, you better be careful with that. Yeah, I think I'll just fry it on the stove. How about that? So fried chicken is the plan on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I love fried chicken anytime, and I know you're going to do your best to like replicate Gus's because that's your, you know, Gus is kind of your bay. But um, why fried chicken inside instead of firing up the grill on a day where you got nothing else to do except watch football? Because I want to, fr- I want to eat fried chicken. Okay, fair I, enough. I, I I must say, you never really cease to surprise me. Hey, Dad, but. The one thing that is kind of consistent with you, maybe there are lots Mm -hmm. of things, 
you're not afraid to plan three or four or five days in advance of what you're going to eat when you have an off day on a Saturday or or some special event coming up. You got to have a plan in, in in all instances. People who don't have plans, they they things screw up too easily. You, you got to know what you're doing. Is it a middle of the day fried chicken, or is that going to be like your Saturday night meal? So it depends. My my daughter may be going to a bonfire for her Girl Scout troop. If she goes to it at night, it will be we'll be eating chicken when Alabama and she was on. If she doesn't go to it, I will probably make it for dinner. What is it she's got? Her Girl Scout troop is doing a, a bonfire on a Saturday night. Are you going to be the lighter of the fire? I, I'm going to be the sitter on the couch watching whatever football games are on that night. So you're not participating in the Girl Scout bonfire at all? What if the fire well, gets out girl. of control? Well, then I hope they have... I, they're scouts. Surely they're prepared, right? Surely. Yeah. Are there any boys in the Girl Scouts? Not to my knowledge, no. And I'm not being entirely flippant when I ask that because I know there was like a push not too terribly long ago to allow girls into the Boy Scouts. Right, right. And I, 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 I don't want to go too far down the, the the road with that, but you're you're sort of on the same path that I was. Was why do they need to have girls in the Boy Scouts when there's Girl Scouts? But regardless, yeah. To my knowledge, yeah. there are no boys in the Girl Scout troops. Okay. So you're not supervising the fire? No. Were you invited? No. Would you be welcome if you chose to go? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. But I wouldn't choose to go, so it's not a big deal. Is your wife going to participate in the bonfire? Yes. She's taking my daughter to the bonfire. Okay, so your wife's going to be. What are they burning in the fire? (laughs) Probably wood, if I had to guess. Just going out on a limb. I'm not going to make it a big rubber tire fire. No. It's not great for... Is there a camp out associated with the uh, bonfire? I don't believe so. Not, not, Not this weekend. They have had camp outs in the past, but... Not, I don't think they're doing one this weekend. I got you. Um, again, you can text the show, Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. So not a great weekend just in terms of what's actually happening in Mississippi, although, as Borky mentioned a second ago, big game for Southern Miss at home on Saturday against UAB. Need to win that one. Give them a chance to get to 6-3 and three, coming off the open date. Uh, second half of the NFL gets rolling this weekend, and you've got a game tonight. And it wraps up with a great game on Monday night with Seattle at San Francisco. Interesting one tonight, though. I mean, this is the Raiders. John Gruden's been the butt of jokes for a couple of years, but they might actually be good and they actually have a shot at the playoffs, but it would have to start tonight. And the same thing for the Chargers. I mean, these are two teams that, I mean, their playoff hopes may die tonight. So at least you have a storyline. AFC so bad. I don't know if either one of them die tonight, but if Brissett's out an extended period of time, I bet Oakland gets the second wild card. Stretch run begins this weekend for college football. Some interesting storylines in the early season of the NBA. College basketball, we had four more games involving SEC teams last night, and uh, we're moving closer to Ole Miss's season opener. That happens tomorrow night against Arkansas State. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Thursday afternoon. A little rainy, a little cold, a little yucky, but uh, glad to be with you. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. 
Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. So, let's talk a little football. Uh, Borky pointed out a second ago that he thinks it's a sad weekend for Mississippi college football, but not so much on a uh, on a national standpoint. So let's talk about what's happening here. Mississippi State off this weekend, getting ready for Alabama after the open date. Hey, Dad, kind of, uh, I guess, media availability after practice. They finished up things a little bit earlier. What's going on in Starkville this weekend from a football standpoint? Young guys getting reps. That was the, the main focus of what Joe Moorhead had to tell us on uh, on Wednesday night, that you know they're taking this opportunity to, to allow their, their redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, to get the majority of the reps. You know, obviously, getting healthy is priority one, but for for them this week, it's about player development. They haven't they said they haven't started doing anything with Alabama yet. They'll start working on that game plan, not working on the game plan, but start installing that and practicing that on Sunday. Uh, the team's off uh, until then, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. Uh, but this week has been all about getting their their young guys some some reps and trying to figure out you know who's left on the list that they can redshirt and 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 what the the plan's going to be for them. I would expect you know everybody who's still available to get the, the snaps against Abilene Christian in two weeks. Uh, but beyond that, that, that was that was the message Joe Moore had had for us last night. So from a health standpoint, Mississippi State has been banged up for the last couple of weeks. Um, where are they in progress in terms of getting guys back? Uh, aside from the guys who, who are obviously out for the season, they, they feel pretty good about where they are right now. and they, 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 From what I can tell, expect to have a, a full complement of guys available uh, to play against Alabama next Saturday, and that in- would probably include Garrett Schrader, who was back at practice this week, uh, is feeling better. Uh, d- still, no idea what the general health issues were, but regardless, um, don't uh, didn't have any idea, obviously, of, of who's going to be the starting quarterback for that game. Although Moorhead was asked about that, and his his answer wasn't just straight up, "No, we don't know." He 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 made it sound like they're they're putting some thought into it, that they were going to you know. Get through the rest of the week, watch the practices they have on film, and and go into to Sunday with an idea of who's going to get the start. So we might be able to find that out uh, at his Monday press conference. But it, it definitely sounded to me, anyway, just from from what I, I saw. If you want to check the video for yourself, it's available at supertalk.fm. You can uh, you can tell me if I'm crazy or tell me if I'm right. But it sounded like there's 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 some thought going into who's going to get the start against Alabama. Would there be any benefit? To naming a starting quarterback on Monday, um, other than just you know giving that guy the confidence of putting him out there, probably not. Probably better because they are different quarterbacks, Schrader and, and Stevens, to make Alabama have to wait and, and you know game plan for both. I don't. I mean, at the same time we're talking about Alabama here, it's not like they're not going to put out a, a defense full of future NFL players and be able to quickly adapt uh, to whatever Mississippi State does. But well, just in terms of, of of advantage, yeah, it, it certainly doesn't help Alabama, or certainly, yeah, it doesn't help Mississippi State to name them before Monday. Well, before I was going to say week, even before Saturday, I should say. Yeah, before game on on Saturday, and I don't know. I mean, would it, would naming one or the other drastically change the way Alabama prepares for that game? I mean, Schrader, little more physical runner, but. If you look at the numbers, I think it was 14 carries for Tommy Stevens in the game against Arkansas. So the I don't know that the style of offense they're running really changes much, does it? Not not a whole lot. I think Stevens is the better passer, so maybe you have to focus on that just a little bit more. Uh, with Schrader, you might see a little bit more of design QB runs. A, a couple of three or four of, of, of Stevens runs were the pocket breaking down and him being able to escape into pres- out of pressure. Uh, which which is good because that was something he was having trouble doing. You know, if you go back to the Tennessee game, the last time he played, 
Um, Tennessee was able to collapse the pocket on him, and it just didn't seem like the, the clock in his head was working at the right speed. Uh, and he was he was taking too much pressure, and he had some chances to get away and didn't. Against Arkansas, that, that clock was working. He was able to get away and make some big plays with his legs. So, again, yeah, you're right. The game plan's not entirely different. It's not like a, a, a Dak Prescott-Tyler Russell situation from a few years ago. But there are enough subtle differences that I'm sure Alabama would like to know who the guy is going to be. Kind of away from the current roster, early signing period starts December 19th, runs December 19th through the 21st, but we know that, that, that December 19th is the day when the majority of guys are going to sign national letters of intent. What's happening on the recruiting front? Hey, I'm glad you asked that, considering I spent all of yesterday's Thunder and Lightning, or today's Thunder and Lightning podcast talking about it, so it's fresh on my mind. There you um, go. Want to listen to it? You can uh, get Thunder and Lightning wherever you get your podcast. It's available through supertalk.fm as well. State's got 20, 21 commitments right now. They've got a JUCO kid committed, John Coise, John Coise Patterson, I believe that's correct, um, who is one of those guys that he's still committed, but they don't expect him to be part of the class. Uh, so 20 guys right now. They'd like to sign maybe another linebacker, maybe two. They'd like to sign another offensive lineman. The big guy out of uh, out of Olive Branch, Xavier Hill, is probably number one on the wish list there. Uh, and then they probably take a couple of best availables here and there. They've got the quarterback committed, Will Rogers, out of uh, Brandon. They've got two running backs, uh, Jaquarius Marks out of Atlanta and Dylan Johnson out of Greenville St. Joseph High School. From a talent standpoint, it's not really that different than what Dan Mullen was bringing in. They'll probably finish between 25 and 30 in the, in the recruiting rankings once everybody starts to fill up. But from a class balance standpoint, I like what, what Moorhead's doing there. He had to get some JUCO defensive linemen just because you look at State's roster. They, they don't have anybody but seniors and freshmen. There's no juniors. There's no sophomores. So they needed some guys to sort of bridge that gap there. They've got three of them coming in. They had to get a couple of JUCO receivers as well. They've done that. Um, Needed a quarterback, needed to address the running back situation. If Kylan Hill goes pro, I mean, you're, you're really looking at a thin running back room next year. You had to get a couple of guys there. So it feels like Moorhead's doing a good job of, you know, this is a great recruiting cliche of, of filling needs. But when you look at it on paper, that is what he's doing. But he's doing it with some pretty good players. It just won't be a huge difference from a talent perspective, again, from what Dan Mullen was bringing in. So in the current 24-7 sports composite rankings, Mississippi State, as we sit right now, ranked 24th in the country. That is 11th in the SEC. They're showing 22 commits. You said 21. I don't know if it's got that junior college player. that You said 21 or did you say 22? I thought I said 21. I think you did. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the discrepancy look. is. Didn't go through the list uh, item by item. Um, one spot behind Arkansas, who's currently at 23 with 25 commits, and two spots behind Ole Miss, who's currently at 22 with 31 commits, which is a really big number at uh, at this point. So, um, recruiting never really slows down, but uh, that will become a bigger topic over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to that early signing day. Uh, Rippy, you uh, you ran to the post practice availability yesterday. Ole Miss getting ready for New Mexico State uh, this weekend. Obviously, New Mexico State zero and eight. It's a game where if you're still talking about it on Monday, something went drastically wrong. Other than just kind of recapping the game, uh, Ole Miss needs to obviously win. You'd like to see them play well. What are they trying to accomplish this week? Just to win. Uh, yeah, I mean, get through the game. I guess you could maybe see some stuff in the passing game, but I don't really know how you gauge that against this type of opponent. I honestly don't really know what they can accomplish this week. I would say 
Very little. The coaching staff wouldn't tell you that, but yeah. What was the mood around post practice stuff yesterday? Fine. Like who'd you talk to? Matt Luke and Elijah Moore. Okay. At this point, is there anything that Matt Luke can say that's different than what you've heard from him pretty much every time he's talked for the last two months? No, there is not. It's been the exact same for the last month. It just kind Groundhog of is day. what it is at this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what else are you going to say? They're three and six and have really not beaten anybody of consequence and really only have one more opportunity left to do that, realistically. Yeah. Uh, I guess two technically left on the schedule, but if you're banking on them beating LSU, then I, I don't really have much for you. So it really just kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, it looks like you're ceiling five and seven, floor four and eight. I mean, you've got three games left, and the outcome in two of them are pretty much pretty predetermined. Oh. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I, I guess... I mean, obviously, there is anticipation for the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, final game of the regular season, and both teams desperately want to win that game. Does the outcome of that game mean anything for Ole Miss, one way or the other? I mean, I I guess there is a scenario where if you don't have enough bowl-eligible teams, winning that to get to five uh, could potentially put you in some APR conversation where you get a a bowl invitation as a five-win team, but it's too early to know whether or not that's going to be the case also. Yeah, I mean, I guess that game always means something. I mean, it buys, I mean, people get irrationally emotional over it. And, you know, the man currently standing on the sidelines has his job largely because of it. So, you know, there's plenty of scenarios. If you get blown out by state, you know, what does that kind of do to, you know, I think Matt Luke's probably back in 2020 anyway. I think this just becomes a year where you just kind of, it was always going to be a struggle. You're kind of finally paying the NCAA price or at least the teeth of it, then you're finally through it. But, I mean, at the same time, State has a really bad run defense. What happens if John Rice Plumley is able to kind of cut through that fairly easily and they run up a bunch of big numbers and they win the game? Do you spend the entire offseason trying to sell that? I don't know. There's usually always some kind of dramatic, irrational outcome from this game, so I guess we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We've got more. Deuce McAllister joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Maybe just uh, just a few. What'd you do for the open date? Man, I, I was actually up in Mississippi. I got to catch my nephew. They uh, played up at Holmes County, and then we went down to uh, Tulane and Tulsa. Um, I, I had a planned trip uh, to go to New York, but I had a little one. My youngest one was kind of sick, and so couldn't leave him. Uh, so we just really hung out a little bit. Nice to uh, catch a little bit of a break, I know, uh, at this point of the season. And and really, probably the open date for the Saints comes at about the right time. You know, Drew comes back after the injury. There, there was originally some thought that it might be after the open date. Came back, played pretty well. Is that the right time of the year, kind of about the halfway point, if you could just draw it up and say this is where we'd like to take a week off? really depends on how well you're playing. I think if you're banged up, then yes, you want that early date to be able to come as far as that off week to be able to come so you can get healthy. Um, if you're playing well, you don't want to stop playing. You don't want anything to break that rhythm for that team, and that's really where the Saints were. Uh, you know, They were playing really well. You've, you ended up winning six games uh, when you talk about uh, the previous game against Houston. It puts you at the halfway point right at 7-1. and one. And so for them, it's a stretch of really the next eight games 
Uh, you have two non, non-divisional opponents being the 49ers and uh, Indianapolis. But outside of that, it's all division games. And so it's odd to see that many division games in the second half of the season. Uh, and, you know, and that's, that's obviously what you have when you get the Atlanta Falcons this upcoming weekend. And I guess the division games are a little more important, but there's no question that right now the sexiest game on the schedule is the one that happens on December 8th when the Niners roll into the Dome. No doubt about it. I think, you know, when you talk about positioning for uh, the playoffs, you talk about the number one seed right now as the, as it sits, that would be a game that determines the number one seed now for the Saints, they still have some business to take care of with Carolina, uh, who I think is still a really, really good team. Uh, it's interesting that they put their quarterback, Cam Newton, on injury reserve. So uh, I think that's still going to be a challenging matchup. You look at Atlanta, Atlanta has talent across the board. But what was interesting, they had the off week along with the Saints this past week. And, you know, instead of releasing some coaches, they shuffled the deck a little bit and moved some coaches around. Now, I don't know how much that will actually help, but they are a talented group as well. You think Cam Newton's played his last game in Carolina? In my opinion, yes. And I think just because of the cap release that you will get, uh, it'll save you right at about nineteen million dollars uh, by trading him and or um, you know releasing him. I think if if it's me, I try to get some value for him as far as trade. Uh, any team that's trading for him, you know, he's going to want a new contract. So uh, I just think, you know, from from the standpoint of having a new owner, uh, Coach Ron Rivera, he's been able to kind of stabilize that team. Uh, and, and, and it's the unknown with Cam. I mean, when he's healthy, he's one of the top quarterbacks as far as overall talent in the league. But he's been banged up, the shoulder injury, uh, now dealing with that foot injury. You know, he's just been banged up a lot the last couple of years. What do you think the market will be for him in Strong. terms of a trade? <laughs> do you think so? Strong. Uh, you, you don't get a talent uh, of his caliber to hit free agency very uh, very often, particularly at the quarterback position. I mean, and so you, you look at a team, uh, I know last week or a couple weeks ago we talked about Terry, but you look at a team like Chicago with, with the Cam Newton. You look at a team like Tampa Bay. Uh, with, with, with a Cam Newton, they already have strong defenses and your quarterback away and, uh, he's an established quarterback. He isn't one that you have to kind of go through with the growing pains of being a younger guy. Uh, you, you, you have to have some of the, the pieces in place as far as, uh, salary cap ability to be able to absorb, uh, that, that type of contract. But I mean, you know, uh, he, he, he would instantly make, uh, a contender out of whatever team. He ends up with, and you know, look, it's speculation, but I, I really don't think that he will be in Carolina come next year. Deuce, you mentioned Tampa Bay. What do you think went wrong with Jameis Winston? Immensely talented. He's had trouble turning over the football. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's a weird guy, too. I mean, if you've read stuff about him or seen him in video clips, you know he's he's a different kind of guy. So why has that not worked? He's just been inconsistent. He has been inconsistent, and that's pretty much, you know, has hurt him. When they were able to win the championship when he was down at Florida State, you know, you, you see the talent. But consistently to be able to do it, it's just been odd. Or it hadn't, he hadn't been able to put it together. And you, you were hoping with Bruce Aarons coming in and being able to solidify it a little bit. You talk about Leftwich being the offensive coordinator, and he's played well at times, but it hasn't been consistently for them and it's really hurt them I mean because you look at the skill positions you look at that defense they have a good enough team to be able to compete in the NFL but it starts with quarterback and he just hadn't been consistent for him 
Deuce McAllister on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line at Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go back to the the Saints for a second. Uh, We've talked over the last couple of years about shelf life for Drew Brees, and who knows what it is, whether it's this year and it's it, and and that's it, or it's another year or it's another couple of years. Did you see enough in the time that he was out from Teddy Bridgewater to be comfortable saying that Teddy Bridgewater is the future at quarterback whenever that future arrives? The problem for the Saints, and it's really an issue that you have to deal with in the offseason, is both he and Drew Brees will be free agents. So the decision, there's not enough money to pay both of them. I mean, right now you're paying Teddy. He's a top backup. But he has put himself in a position where uh, $7 million won't get it done for him. He's proven that he can be a starter. And so if Drew decides to walk away, then yes, you can get something done with Teddy as far as going forward as your quarterback. But if Drew decides to come back, then Teddy's gone. I mean, because some team is going to pay him in the neighborhood of 18 to $20 million to be a starting quarterback. So whether it's in New Orleans, I would love to have him. But, you know, really the market and what Drew's intentions are will be the determining factor. 18 to $20 million, that's good work if you can get it. I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. And, I mean, that's really – what you have when you have your, your starting quarterback, uh, and, and, and you're going to hit the market. You know, I know a lot of people, uh, you, you throw around the numbers with Dak Prescott. You know, a lot of people say, well, he's not worth the 25. He's not worth the 30. He's not worth the 35. You know, and that's currently what the average per year for Russell Wilson is. Uh, a, a lot of times it depends on when you come up as a quarterback. It's not necessarily, hey, look, this quarterback is the the, the best quarterback playing in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. That quarterback may not have a contract that's up, and that's really how it falls, and you know that's where he's playing at, and it'll be interesting to see what the Cowboys decide to do. I mean, because not only do they have Dak to play, but they have Amari Cooper. They've paid everybody else, and so uh, I'm surprised that they hadn't gotten it done at this point. Yeah, it really is a little surprising. So much talk about it in the off season, and then you get into the year, and I guess they've just decided that they'll get it done after the uh, the season's over. We were looking at ESPN's power rankings for the NFL yesterday, and uh, Brian Haydad, who is uh, certainly a big Saints fan, but he is uh, staunchly in the camp of the Saints are the best team in the NFL. Uh, power rankings have got San Francisco 1, New England 2, and New Orleans 3. Where do you fall on that in terms of power rankings right now, best team in the league? My only issue with New England, and I'll start with them, New England, they have a couple guys that are on the IR, particularly their left tackle. And I, I know Newhouse. Newhouse was with us in camp. you know, And so uh, not to say that I know his full ability, but I've seen enough in camp to know that he has to have help. He can't be a guy that can say, I can shut down that right defensive end, and I am the protector of the blind side of, of, of you know Tom Brady. So just from an injury standpoint, I think that has hurt New England just because they don't have all of the pieces that they would normally have, and, and, and he's not the only one. When you talk about San Francisco, you'll find out a lot about San Francisco even before they come to New Orleans. They do um, have some tougher they, – they, they, their schedule is a lot tougher than the Saints, and, I, and I'll admit that. You'll find out what type of team that they have because – Outside of that front four, I don't know if I'm sold on the linebackers and even the secondary. 
I'm not 100% sold there on that defense overall. I think they're a good defense, but I think a lot of it is because of that defensive front because they can rush the pass and they can play really well against the run. So you got to find out truly what type of team that they have over the next half of the season because that, that, that schedule gets a little bit tougher for them. Saints coming off the open date for the next six are at home. Falcons this weekend, then they go to Tampa Bay. It's going to be a uh, fun second half of the year. Deuce, always appreciate your time. Good visiting with you this afternoon. No problem. Thank you for having me on, Rich. Deuce McAllister on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That is Mississippi Farm Bureau. Hit on a bunch of topics with Deuce McAllister. If you missed any of that interview, you can always go back and listen to it on demand, or you can listen to the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast at your convenience. We'll wrap up hour number one, quick first hour, when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Message says, been out the last couple of days. Have you mentioned the Ole Miss women's golf team? We have not. Says ranked. 11th in the country, three team wins this fall, and Julie Claire Johnson uh, last week in a tournament in Mexico, I think it was, tied the NCAA record by shooting a 61. Not bad. You ever notched a 61, Borky? Oh, yeah, plenty of times. Yeah. And then I made the turn. Yeah. Me, yep, 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 yep. I hear you. Uh, hate to disagree with Deuce, but Cam Newton isn't that great and has shown that in the past two seasons. He's very inconsistent. I understand he's injured, but does he get significantly better when fully healthy? Does that do anything for you? I mean, he has been to a Super Bowl. I mean, like, he's not Tom Brady. I mean, he's not even Lamar Jackson anymore, potentially. But, I mean, he's a guy that has won games in the NFL and does have a skill set, when healthy, that you can win football games with. I, I mean, If you've got a team like Tennessee that we, we mentioned yesterday on this that needs a quarterback that can get a proven guy, a dynamic athlete, to come in and run your offense if he's healthy, then I think he's worth taking especially because drafted quarterbacks are what a 50 50 shot maybe and that's being friendly i mean mitch trubisky's about to lose his job it's a known commodity at quarterback is more valuable than drafting a quarterback i don't care what position you have so there's somebody for him there's a destination for him if he's healthy with some exceptions i mean that there are people that perhaps would argue with you that no i'd rather have Tua or Trevor Lawrence next year and roll the dice on that unknown quantity than sign Cam Newton to a long deal. But yeah. why? Like, the Jets have Sam Darnold and they're awful. Like, you know, Arizona you can do has Kyler Murray, you they're can not do it, very good. Because you could do it cheaper than you will with Cam Newton. I mean, I guess, but there's plenty of examples of doing opposite. Look at Minnesota and San Francisco. No, you're right. I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing. I just think that there are people that would argue, no, you'd rather take a chance on a generational talent. I don't think there is a right way or a wrong way. I think it just depends on where you are as a franchise at that point because a team like the Titans is wasting a championship-caliber defense on you know, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. So patience probably really isn't an option for them, so they would be better suited to go that route to where a team like you know Miami or something like that would probably be better suited for a tour or something like that. Cincinnati probably falls somewhere towards more towards Miami, but somewhere in the middle of that. 
just depends on where you're at. Let me clean up a mess that I made earlier. We were talking a little recruiting um, back around 3.30, and I had typed in the 2019 composite rankings because I was thinking about the December 2019 signing period, not thinking about this actually being the 2020 class. So the numbers where I threw 31 Ole Miss commits out there in Mississippi State with 22, which didn't jive with the number that Haydad had just mentioned, I was looking at last year's class. So little bit different, not a ton of difference, but a little bit difference in uh, 19 and 20 when you look in terms of class ranking. Mississippi State currently is 21st in the country with 21 commitments. Uh, according to the composite rankings, zero five-stars, six four-stars, and 15 three-stars. Ole Miss two spots behind them with currently 22 commitments. Two of those are four-star commitments, 20 of them are three-star commitments. In terms of where that leaves you in the SEC, LSU currently the highest-ranked recruiting class in the SEC, followed by Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee at number 8, Mississippi State currently at number 9, Ole Miss currently at number 10. So the Bulldogs and the Rebels are ahead of Kentucky, Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. You know... It's kind of different year, same story. A a year in which Ole Miss or Mississippi State recruits exceptionally, exceptionally well, gets them to what, 15 in the country and 8th in the SEC? A year in which they recruit, you know, at about their average, which would be around 25 in the country, gets you at 10, 11, 12 in the SEC. Which is why talent evaluation is important, and then also having a coach that can either schematically or otherwise get more out of rosters than the roster should technically give you. The question is, do they have that right now? Is that where you would say, see Dan Mullen? Yeah. Absolutely, that's where you would say. Who's the best talent evaluator right now in the SEC not named Dan Mullen? Mark Stoops. It hmm. might be Nick Saban, to be honest. He hits on a ton of guys. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 there are a lot of five star busts, but not at Alabama as, as often. That's actually an interesting way of looking at that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi just after four o'clock Thursday afternoon with you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank Online. You can find them at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you're looking to build a house in the country, maybe buy a piece of recreational property, let Mississippi Land Bank help you with the financing. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. Find a branch location or the phone number online at mslandbank.com. Four hoops games last night in the SEC. All of them wins for Southeastern Conference teams. Uh, season opener for South Carolina. They beat North Alabama by 22, 77-55. Missouri had no trouble with Incarnate Word, a 40-point win in the uh, season opening game for Conzo Martin's team. Texas A&M beat Northwestern State 77-63. 
And in the debut of Jerry Stackhouse, Vanderbilt, 83-65 over Southeast Missouri State. They win by 18, and they get a, uh, a late cover in that ball game. Uh, we talked about that one, about possibly going the other way before changing the Pearl River Resort pick of the day yesterday. Told you, don't go that route. Uh, had SEMO uh, plus 12. The game was tied at 32 at the half. Vanderbilt kind of pulled away uh, late in the ballgame. Borky, I know you watched every bounce of the basketball in that game last night. Oh, yeah, every single one. was on the edge of my seat. What did we end up using yesterday for the uh, pick of the day? Was it another college basketball game, or did we jump over to Maction? No, it was basketball. It wasn't it Vanderbilt not covering over SEMO. That's exactly what it was. No, we started out talking about that one, and then I changed the deal. I was like, "No, don't don't do that one. Go with a different." Well, game. and I, and I, I gave you uh, Milwaukee not covering in L.A. last night. That was a winner. That's right. That's right. Makes up for your uh, loser the previous night in Maction. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um. A little light on the uh, hoops slate tonight, but uh, you do have some college football coming your way this evening. Um, Kickoff on, let's see, we've got multiple games? Kind of. Louisiana and Coastal Carolina, ESPNU at 630. Temple at South Florida, ESPN at 7. Yuck. You can watch uh, a football game played on a teal field, though, You know if that's your thing. Coastal Carolina's got a pretty stadium in Conway. Yeah, they had to expand it. It's huge, but it's nice. They they had to rush expand it to to match. There's some kind of minimum standard. I mean, that's why you see multiple teams in these group of five conferences that have stadiums that are far too big for what they need because they have to reach a certain capacity threshold. And Coastal Carolina, when they were making the jump and joining uh, the the Sun Belt, they had to expand their stadium immediately to meet some kind of threshold. And they did a really nice job on it, but that was like a flash project that they had to do. They had to expedite it to meet a some kind of attendance or, or capacity threshold to remain in their conference. And they're not the only ones that have done that. Imagine if they had tried to build in Madison, the standards they'd have had to reach then. <laughs> <laughs> that brick's expensive, man. I know, man. You know the uh, the largest benefactor at uh, Coastal Carolina is the guy that founded Hooters? That's very on-brand if you're not familiar with the school. Is Conway close to Myrtle? It is. Yeah, it seems on-brand. Yeah, 20 miles or so, 15 miles, give or take. The Dirty Myrtle. Uh, so Temple at South Florida in the American Athletic Conference. Temple's five and three on the year. South Florida's four and four. Temple's a one point favorite in that game. Louisiana Lafayette, fourteen point favorite tonight in Conway, South Carolina at Brooks Stadium. Um Borky, I'm not touching this. If you want to go down this road, you're welcome to. <laughs> I don't I mean you have to tell me if it's appropriate or not. You're the one that put it in there. With the caveat that I don't know if this is appropriate or not. Always lean toward yes and apologize later is what I've learned. I've built yeah, up some are, pretty good capital with the bosses here, though. I don't, I don't want to ruin it. Uh, you are convinced that there is a correlation. I'm to, not convinced. We have, we have scientific data that backs up the fact that James Harden, when on the road, plays 
worse in the cities that have higher-rated gentlemen's clubs. Hey, Dad, what were you going to say? It's not a theory. It's a fact. Yeah, this the seems pretty bulletproof. Was used. I don't see how you poke a hole in this. Reddit? A guy on Reddit who has way too much time on his hands had a theory that James Harden plays better in cities that don't have high-quality gentlemen's clubs. So he did a bunch of research, used Google ratings to determine the quality of said clubs, did a bunch of math stuff, uh, I mean, correlation, uh, I don't even know. Look, I'm not a math guy. He just did a bunch of math stuff, and you can read it. Uh, I'll tweet the link if you really want to see it. But this man's the, a social scientist. The correlation coefficient proves that in the cities with the higher quality gentlemen's clubs, James Harden, his box score is affected by 20% as opposed to the road cities with the lower rated clubs. Do you mind going through and giving the ones with the higher rated versus the lower rated? <laughs> yeah, he didn't list them all. Just uh, for science. But he did say that Toronto uh, has the worst. Miami which has is the where best. James Harden plays the best, and Miami has the best, which is where James it's Harden plays the worst. And believe it or not, Salt Lake City was third. That is a that's or, in, or not. I, I, I have trouble believing that. In the other interesting facts category, he says Salt Lake City has the third-ranked gentlemen's clubs of all NBA cities. <laughs> and the thing is, I mean, it kind of makes sense because Toronto's been really good. Like, even without Kawhi, that's still going to be a difficult place to play for a while, and it was all of last season. And Miami's been bad ever since LeBron left. He plays worse against a bad team and plays his best against a good team. But there's that one factor out there. How about the amount of time invested into this little Reddit post? People I have a great have... name for this theory that we can't possibly say on the air, but that's fine. In his opening analysis, he says everyone knows James Harden has a particular affinity for the Canadian ballet. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in those elementary to high school scientific paper that's called the introduction section yes that's exactly um, right and then you, after the rocket's dismal performance in miami last week i became increasingly curious to see just how much james harden's vice affects his game so here we are i spent the better part of the week working on this hope you enjoy I his did. hypothesis I did, james james harden's box score declines in cities with high quality Entertainment venues. I'd like to see the abstract section at the end of the study to really get into like the nitty gritty of all this. He gives you methodology and uh, process and steps if you are so inclined. The club rating was determined by the average Google review rating for the first ten clubs in each city based on the Google search. What gives you more street cred, a Yelp reviewer or somebody that reviews those? You can review those on Yelp. I mean, it's the same thing. He says, yes, this did involve me making like 30-plus searches for gentlemen's clubs on my work computer. <sighs> Hate to see his ads this week. <laughs> hmm. <sighs> I'm sorry. Where did New Orleans rank, just out of curiosity? He did not list it. Okay. Richard seems unclear on the science. No, it I'm just... It is science. 
No, I, I mean, the guy used scientific methodology to illustrate the point that he was trying to make. It's just fascinating, uh, fascinating to me that somebody would be sitting around at work and spend the better part of a week putting together a graph that illustrates why James Harden doesn't perform well on the road in some cities. Well, I'd like to thank him. You don't seem as appreciative. I have no thoughts one way or the other. Right now, hey, here's Toronto a random nugget for building you. A, a new a new club. Do what? Right now, the people of Toronto are building a new club. They're going to bring in some top end free agent talent. Well, by this measure, shouldn't Houston build a couple more towards the arena? <laughs> that way, he plays no, better. It's, at home. it's the other way around. He plays. He, yeah, they it's need the to find their around. good one. They, 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 and also, they did. He took out the home. Oh, games. so you need like some. I, I yeah, he, I got that mixed. They up. They need to go into the. They need to go into their clubs and be like, "Hey, that girl's pretty good looking. Fire her." <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to bring it to the show. <sighs> did you know that the Ole Miss Memphis basketball game is not on television? It's so stupid. Really? It's on ESPN3. They're playing it November 23rd at noon in Memphis on ESPN3. That's surprising. Figure Saturday at noon? I mean, it is football. I mean, it's a football Saturday, which is, I guess, kind of the issue here. But seems like that would be a pretty decent eyeballs game. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Thursday afternoon, 20 minutes after 4. That's me. Uh, that means it's time for our weekly chat with Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. If you've not checked out his website, I would encourage you to do that. Even if you're not gambling or speculating or investing in the sports business, because there are a lot of really cool game previews that will kind of get you uh, set to watch the game. Uh, I mean, they are they're a bunch of breakdowns of big games in college football that uh, if you're a college football fan, whether or not you're wagering on the game or not, you might find really interesting. Lee Sterling joins us right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Lee, I don't know which side of the game you were on, but your Miami Dolphins finally got off the schneid last week. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I rarely watch the Dolphins game live anymore. It's too painful, but... Uh... It was, uh, they somehow won the game. They played better and, um, just tells you how bad the Jets are. Yeah. So, they are. Battle some bad teams. You think that's bad? Wait for week 16 when Cincinnati comes to Miami. So, a lot Oof. of good seats available. So, th- look at the, are you on my website now? Go on my website. You have a c- computer in front of you? I do. You see where I'm sitting? Look at the main I, video. I, I'm waiting for it to, uh, load. There we go. I'm on the uh, on the homepage, right outside of Bryant Denny Stadium. Well, that isn't that great to have a good computer guy. <laughs> pretty pretty nice backdrop. It looks like I'm almost there. So uh, took away the uh, Home Depot and the uh, College Game Day sign and superimposed the Paramount Sports sign <laughs> on it. So I mean, this is the game. It is the game, uh, LSU is catching six and a half on the road against well, Let me say this. Full disclosure, I'm not betting this game. I'm watching this game. I'm going to enjoy this game. But I just think it's too tough. Some things that surprised me 
when I watch film of both teams, I thought I was going to like LSU. But I'm favoring Alabama. A couple reasons here. I, I, this is it's all about scoring. And Alabama has the better running game, five yards per carry. And I think their three receivers, which are NFL caliber, soon-to-be NFL receivers, I think that they can make some plays and maybe make a catch and, you know, break a tackle and go 75, 80 yards. And maybe that's the difference in this game. Also, even though I don't trust really either defense, Bama is number two in the country in turnover margin. And a lot of these big games are decided by turnovers. And love LSU's team this year. I think they've made a huge jump since last year, Burroughs. I mean, in a different stratosphere. I mean, there's even talk about him maybe going number one in the draft now. I don't think it'll happen because of his arm strength. But I think if it comes down also to coaching, I think with an extra week, I think that you might see Nick Saban try something. You know, he might try. We've seen a couple of these teams go with these two, four, five alignments on defense. He might do that a little bit. He might show uh, a five-man line once or twice. I think he's going to come up with a couple gadgets to throw off LSU. I have LSU winning this game 37-27, but not a game that I'm personally playing or giving my clients. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Say that again. Did you mean Alabama? Alabama. Alabama 37-27. So Alabama 37-27. So when you go in to break down a game like this, do you go into it looking at it saying, I'm going to play this game or not, or do you do your analysis no, first no, and I then open, make the decision? Mind. I mean, there's a lot of times when I'm studying film and making notes the week before, and even when I put, you know, have all my notes out, and, you know, I've got, you know, all my analytics that I'm looking at. Sometimes I'm just totally surprised. I, I, my head's telling me one way, and, you know, then I look at the stats the other way. I think this is one of the toughest games to figure out. I think it's just a game you sit back and enjoy, being honest. Ole Miss is laying 28, 28 and a half at home against winless New Mexico State. Uh, obviously, the Rebels sitting at uh, 3 and 6 overall, no margin for error, but not a real easy path to get to bowl eligibility considering they've got LSU next week and then Mississippi State on, uh, on Thanksgiving night. What do you do with this one? I don't see how you take New Mexico State. I can tell you that. I think it's Ole Miss or pass here because Ole Miss is going to run the football. They're number 16 in the country. They're averaging 225 yards per game and five yards per carry versus the number 129th rated run defense. There's only 130 teams. They're giving up 6.6 yards per carry. There's always a couple really bad teams against the run, and New Mexico State is one of them, giving up 542 total yards per game. They, uh, how about this? They're also minus 15 in turnover margin, which is number 129 in the country. The only team worse than them is, is Akron, which is 0-8 straight up and against the spread. I went back 20 years, and there's not been a team. Akron is, is 0-8 against the spread. There's never been a team in the last 20 years that's not won a game against the spread. So um, they're chasing history possibly in the wrong way. And uh, almost actually won this game when they played each other 52-3 to in 2015. I, I think you're going to see a similar type result here. Oh, I have Ole Miss win in this game 51-13. A lot of line move, movement in the uh, the game in Lexington. Kentucky, if I remember correctly, opened as a favorite in this game. It shifted all the way over to Tennessee favored by one. So basically a pick em game. Um, right. Tennessee a, a one-point favorite. So I guess the question you have to ask is, is Tennessee at this point a better football team than Kentucky? I, 
I don't know if you can say that. I, I think that people are basing it more on what's happened recently, and not just the last game. They're basing it on, you know, Tennessee's won three out of four games. I still see some weaknesses in this team. Uh, UK, also, the Kentucky gets the bye week, which is helpful, playing with revenge, so I think that they'll be focused here. Here's something that I found that Tennessee has really not faced many running quarterbacks this year. In fact, the only real running quarterback can go back to the first game, usually discount a first game, but they faced Dan Ellington, and his number was called 14 times, and he did a number on him. Now, Lynn Bowden, Jr., the last three weeks has run 21 times, 17 times, and 24 times for a total of almost, I think it's 496 yards and five touchdowns. I think Tennessee has a weakness there. Kentucky may not have to throw the ball more than 15 times here. And, you know, Tennessee, you know, they keep talking about, you know, winning these three games and this game here, Missouri and Vandy, to get to a bowl. I I think it's far-fetched. So I like Kentucky. Get them at home and get a point. I think think they win this game 24-17. Low-scoring game. I want to bounce to the Big Ten just for a second. This uh, this Minnesota undefeated Minnesota team hosting Penn State. Penn State, I think a six and a half yeah. point favorite in that uh, in that ball game. So comparable line to what you've got in Alabama and LSU. You got a lean on that one? Yeah, I, I at first I thought it was going to like Penn State and did the game and watched some more tape on Minnesota. Not a lot of people have seen Minnesota this year. They don't run this tricky playbook. They run about fifteen to twenty plays over and over again. But what they do, they do it well. They don't make many mistakes. They don't get penalized much. They play good defense. They don't have many breaks in their secondary. And two or more takeaways in six of eight games here. Penn State, as good as they were, and I was riding them for a while, their offense is kind of stalled out, averaging just 293 yards per game the last three games. And Gophers, this is where they do their best work here as an underdog. 4-0, last four games as a dog here. Haven't played much of a schedule but I think the wrong team's favorite. I think the crowd is going to going to give them a little extra jolt here. I like Minnesota outright, twenty four twenty three. Wow, wow! Yep. Uh, you have a fifty unit play on the board this week. How do yeah, people get? They want to hop on board. Uh, we rate our games from ten to fifty units, going back now twelve years. We're uh, if we win this game, we'll be forty and seventeen on our forty plus unit play. So I found a a game where a team is an underdog by more than a touchdown. I think they're going to win the game outright. I think that the game is lined wrong. So if you want to get this game, just go to ParamountSports.com. You can get the game individually, $197. Or how about this, four weeks of my executive phone service. If you use coupon code SAVE200, just $347. We made some changes the last couple weeks, did some studying and some analytics, and uh, found some things. We're winning a lot of games at halftime, third quarter, and losing a lot of close games. Found some data. Uh, we've got to tweak some things, and once you get more data, once you get past midseason, uh, the numbers uh, usually bear things out. So uh, getting on a roll the last two weeks. So if they want to hop on board, just go to the website, ParamountSports.com, or call us here at the office. We have a game of the week. We'll give them for free. South Carolina, Appalachian State, 800-400-9741. Hey, quick thought before we run out of time. We've got about a minute left on this uh, Georgia-Missouri game. Georgia favored big at home by 17. This was a game we looked at before the year and thought that uh, Missouri could be potentially 8-0 and going in. They have obviously not done that. Uh, 30 seconds or so, Georgia-Missouri. Yep. 
Missouri hadn't done well against teams that can run the football. Gave up 297 to Wyoming, 204 to Ole Miss, and 297 to Kentucky. And I, you don't want to mess with a quarterback with a hamstring problem. That's what Kelly Bryant has. I, I think it's 50-50 he lasts the entire game. I think Georgia's back on track. I'm going to ride Georgia here in the Bulldogs, 38-14. All right. Thanks, Lee. Good visiting with you this afternoon. Okay. Take care. Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Check it out, ParamountSports.com. You can call the toll-free number and get the free game of the week. That's the South Carolina-Appalachian State game. You can get his uh, 50-unit underdog shocker or uh, go for a bigger package if you would like. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm on this Thursday afternoon. So Lee Sterling gave you his picks for the weekend and said that he was not going to play Alabama LSU, but predicted Alabama 37-27 over LSU, had Georgia laying the points, Kentucky getting a point at home, and Ole Miss covering with relative ease against New Mexico State. Any of that do anything for you, Borky? Hey, Dad? I'm going to go against them on Alabama when we get there. But Ooh. I think I am, too. He's in the business. I have, yeah. for a month now, been thinking, LSU's going to win this game. Mm-hmm. But the closer it gets, the closer I think I, I, I kind of go back to not picking Alabama to win the SEC West. Mm-hmm. You, you know what? Somebody's got to show me they can win the West before I don't pick them to win it. It's like when you go out to eat at a restaurant, you know, you always get the same thing. And you're like, this time I'm going to get something different. And, you, and then you're disappointed. You show up. And no, 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 you show up and you're like, ah, I'm going to stick with old reliable. It's tough to, it's tough to change. Alabama's yeah. been the top dog for so long, it's it's tough to pull the trigger on them not winning. And LSU does feel different. They really do. They look different. But at the same time, I mean, Nick Saban is built for this game. Not Alabama versus LSU, but two top five teams going at it. Big games, stuff on the line. He has cultivated a culture. That's a bad sentence. He has built a culture at Alabama that wins this game all the time. It's all they do. Staff turnover, changes, doesn't matter. Nick Saban's culture at Alabama wins this football game often. When you look at LSU, you've got a coach that hasn't done it. You've got a quarterback that hasn't done it. And their wild card, a passing game coordinator that hasn't done it yet on his own. So even though they look better, they look different, they are well-coached, Ordron's turned a corner and all that good stuff, but one program is built for this and has done right. it. The other one Let has Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I think LSU wins. Alabama's defense gets exposed. Well, here's where I was going. The last time Alabama played a team as good as LSU was in the national championship game against Clemson, and they got shredded defensively in that game. How similar is this game to that game? Knowing full well that LSU's defense is not as good as Clemson's defense was. And it's at Alabama. But Alabama's defense is worse than it was in the title game, probably. Agreed. 
Yeah, they were playing a baseball player at linebacker, though. I think it's collectively better or worse than they were in the national title game a year ago. Probably worse. It's kind of a wash though, because as you, I mean, that Clemson defense was, yeah, I mean, historically good and sent a bunch of dudes to the NFL. They had an entire defensive line that will be starters at the NFL by the end of this year, basically. And LSU does not present that kind of challenge whatsoever. To I think the deal is it that Michael Divinity is not going to play for LSU. It, it's a big deal. I mean, that's one of their better players. You know, didn't he, he lose his starting job though? I don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, it was the other one that they lost this week that got not kicked off the team but left for personal reasons. Also, Tua can't be fully healthy. And that was it's surgery to expedite a six-week injury. Game. wasn't wasn't fully healthy in the national title game. Let's see what happens. There's a lot of factors working against Alabama. The, the factor that's working for Alabama the most is that people are just afraid to say, I think Alabama's going to lose. Hmm. But that doesn't really factor into the game. No, 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 no. It doesn't factor into the game. I'm talking about just for us as a, from a prediction standpoint. And it would be sacrilegious for me to pick against LSU at this point. <laughs> I've been obnoxiously driving the Burrow train since, like, April. But they've been scored on a little bit, right? I mean, Texas is no good, and they gave up 38 points to Texas. They, it's, it's they gave going, up 38 a... points to Vanderbilt. They, I mean, Kyle Trask in Florida could not move the football at all in the cocktail party. Oh, sorry. I called it the cocktail party. Against Georgia, this is the best offense they've seen so far. Not even close it's, it's, second. It's going to be a shootout, for sure. So then you have to you just have to ask yourself whose offense is better? Whose offense do you think is better? Right now, I'd say LSU's. I, I I will say this, and I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but you know when Nick Saban has extra time to prepare for a game, he is exceptionally good in those games. And I started to bring up a second ago, you know, I mean, Ole Miss scored thirty one on Alabama's defense, right? Wasn't it thirty one? Most of it came late. Ten One of it, it came mattered. off of a. Uh, fair enough. You know, split it however you want to, but they the scoreboard said thirty-one. Seven of those came from Grant Tisdale. The scoreboard said thirty-one. Period. I mean, they they played Alabama in similar settings in the previous two years, and the scoreboard said three, and it said seven. In, in the two previous. My, really no I, need to bring Phil Longo into this. Well, I, but the point I'm making in this is there's nobody that's jumping up and down to tell you how great and how high-octane Ole Miss's offense is. And I know it was kind of the first time with John Rice Plumley. I, I, I get all that. So, one, an Ole Miss offense that's pretty average at best hung 31 on Alabama. They gave up 50-something. I, I understand that. But the other piece of this is the buy-in from Alabama players in a game like this compared to their level of focus, and I know it goes against everything Nick Saban preaches, but the Alabama defensive players were not as juiced up to face Ole Miss as they're going to be to face LSU on Saturday. 
I know that's going in completely opposite directions with the, the that kind sounds of like rat that poison make. to me. To be honest with you, Richard. Rat poison, huh? If you you're, you're spreading it out. No, yeah. they're not football playing robots. That, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, they watched the film and knew they were significantly better. It it's very different. Dynamite segue, Borky. Speaking of robots, <laughs> nice. Robots coming to minor league baseball. Story from the Athletic. Tested already in the Independent Atlantic League in the MLB-run Arizona Fall League. The automated strike zone is slated to arrive in minor league baseball in some capacity in the coming year. Commissioner Rob Manfred told MLB Network last week that the technology used for the automated strike zone was due for a large upgrade this winter and that it would make its way into standard minor league play next year. Quote from Manfred. Here's our thinking on the automated strike zone. The technology exists. We have the technology. We're actually going through a big upgrade of that piece of our technology during this offseason. I think we need to be ready to use an automated strike zone when the time is right. That's why we experimented in the Atlantic League. It's why we went to the Arizona Fall League. It's why we're using it in minor league baseball this year, in some ballparks at least. I think it's incumbent upon us to see if we can get the system to the point we're comfortable it can work. I only would go to an automated strike zone when we were sure that it was absolutely the best it can be. Getting out there too early with it and not having it work well, that'd be a big mistake. He didn't say it, but read between the lines. Rob Manfred wants to get this thing worked out and wants to roll out the automated strike zone in the big leagues. I think you're going to have problems with this, too. You had an independent league manager get tossed for arguing with said robot. I don't think it'll fix everything. Kind of sounds like he's an idiot, though. Maybe. Who who was he actually arguing with? The umpire who had to wait on the signal and then signal ball or strike? Yeah, he got, argue, he got thrown out for arguing balls and strikes. That's dumb. Assuming the robot and all that is perfect or whatever, I guess. And, and I guess that's the thing. I mean, and, and I think that's why Rob Manfred harped and harped and harped and harped on the technology piece. You also see a How lot of these. How accurate do you think K-Zone is right now that you see on Fox or ESPN? Pretty accurate. So if it touches the, the box, it's a strike. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to, I guess, re- like abundantly make clear what the strike zone is because obviously for years and decades, whatever, you have umpires that have had different strike zones and they've adjusted accordingly. And I guess you're going to have said it. You also have all of these things tested in the minor leagues all the time and they rarely ever trickle up. The whole runner on second base thing. But don't you know that Rob Manfred went back and watched the television copies of the playoff games in the World Series and had to just grimace every single time there was a ball that was two inches off the plate that was clearly outside that imaginary box that pops up on your television screen and sees it called a strike? Probably. What's different between that and you know all the other years? The technology is now there to make sure that it's right. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Time Out Lounge. Let's go to a little college football tonight. Temple at South Florida. You're gonna get the uh, are you gonna get the Temple team that beat Memphis at home? 
or are you going to get a different-looking Temple team? Because they've lost three games this year. Let's see. Temple has beaten Bucknell. They beat Maryland. But they lost to Buffalo by 16. Beat Georgia Tech. Beat East Carolina. Beat Memphis. Got smoked by SMU. And most recently, UCF beat Temple 63-21. to How do you feel about Temple minus one tonight at South Florida, Borky? I wouldn't touch it. I mean, I have no idea. I, I mean, Charlie Strong, I guess, is still the coach there, right? Charlie Strong is still the coach there. That is a true statement. Talk about a name that's just fallen off the face of the earth. South Florida got beat 49 to nothing to start the year by uh, Wisconsin. They lost to Georgia Tech, beat South Carolina State, got smoked by SMU, beat Connecticut, who doesn't even have a pulse. But then you start going, well, I don't know. A four-point win over BYU. Bad loss for BYU. Got pummeled by Navy. And then they smoked East Carolina. Good luck on this one. We'll lay Temple on the point. We'll lay the point with Temple. <laughs> you you get a point and a half with Oakland at home tonight. I'll lay the point with Temple. <laughs> you like that better than Raiders Chargers? I hear you. I'm not saying I like it better. I just, I don't know. Are you believing in the Raiders? I want to really bad, but no. Chargers defense is really good now. Now they have the running back back, and suddenly that's a team that like could rattle off a bunch of wins in a row. What do you like tonight? Hey, Dad. You said the Raiders are a one-and-a-half-point favorite or underdog? Home underdog. I would take the Raiders. Raiders getting one-and-a-half at home against the Chargers. Yeah, I think they'll win. Is Phillip Rivers' house in San Diego closer to Oakland or closer to the Chargers' home stadium? It's so big for all his kids, it actually splits the difference. Oh, Okay. Which it's crazy that the Chargers can't develop like a good home field advantage because they can just get his entire family tickets. Mm. Yeah, his extended family, they could fill the Coliseum. And if well, he doesn't have grandkids yet. Just talking about like cousins, aunts, uncles. If NFL slate this weekend. Lions Bears. Mm. Chicago's a favorite in that game. Have you completely Rippy jumped off of the Detroit Lions train? Yeah, they had a shot to actually kind of have a good season, but I don't see how they make it in the NFC now. They got screwed in that Monday night game against the Packers and then completely blew the next two. I mean, you could argue there was really no reason they should have lost to Oakland the way that game went. And I forget the one in the middle, but it was pretty rough as well in between them. Yeah, but the Bears, the Trubisky, is he going to start? Oh, uh, you're talking about this week? I yes, just this I, week. I think th- I think they've I think they'll win this week. I think they've blown their shot to make the playoffs. I think they had a really decent one, but they lost to the Chiefs by four, and then got screwed in Green Bay, lost by one, then got beat pretty bad at home against Minnesota, beat the Giants, and then lost to the Raiders. That's their last few games. 
Ravens are at the Bengals. The Ravens are a ten and a half point favorite against the zero and eight Cincinnati Bengals. Is Andy Dalton still playing quarterback for Cincinnati? Yeah, benched. Yeah, benched. And for who? Uh, Ryan Finley. Dalton wasn't really. I mean, Dalton's is what he is at this point. Like he's a decent quarterback. I think that's actually a guy that could catch on in the right situation somewhere else and be okay. But like he he was benched because they're zero and eight, not because he was the issue. Cleveland is a favorite at home at two and six against the six and two Buffalo Bills, and Baker Mayfield is now without the handlebar mustache. So he didn't deserve to wear it, so he shaved it. Buffalo has beaten no one with a pulse, but I don't see how you go with the Browns. They're the Browns awful. Don't have a pulse, they're, so it fits they're right just, in, right? Does, well, like they have like talent, I guess, but they're just a complete circus. You know who might take over play calling duties up there if the Browns head coach knows what he's doing? Yep. Todd Mon- Todd Monken. Todd Munkin. Can you make an argument that Greg Williams is the best head coach the Browns have had in the last like half, maybe a decade? Without a doubt. And Since instead they went with. Freddie Kitchens. Because he and Baker are friends. Chiefs at Titans. Chiefs a six-point favorite in Nashville. Noon kickoff on Sunday. Crazy for liking the Titans in that game? Yes. Six. (laughs) (laughs) One and seven Falcons at the seven and one Saints. New Orleans is is a thirteen and a half point favorite. Giants Jets in New York. Mississippi. Just after 5 o'clock Thursday afternoon, good to have you along for the ride. Bad part? Open the door, look out the hallway, it's dark outside. This is tough, right? I mean, 3-6, to great gig, great time slot, majority of the year. Still got some daylight when we leave, but Borky, this window from late November to uh, early March... Little depressing. It's the worst. You walk outside, it's dark and it's cold, and it's like, oh no, why did we change the time? When I run for office, whenever the next round of office running is, I think that might be my platform. You'd win. You you are going to make daylight savings time permanent. Yeah, like the uh, the marijuana guy that came. Up here a few times to be on the other two shows. Yeah, I'll just be the daylight savings guy. You're not going to call Gallo and JT by name. They're just the other two shows. Yeah, it kind of slipped my mind for a second. Those, I'm sorry. I bet Rippy was <laughs> couldn't tuned remember into their names. It just had, common. had one of those moments. But yeah, the weed guy hey, came and did some interviews, so I can be the, the daylight guy. Whatever. R- Rippy, he's been asleep for two hours, so you can get away with it. Have you told the uh, the Paul Gallo story about not knowing your name on the air? Did we do that one day? We partially did it, and then it turned into Hey Dad telling everyone I was a Bernie bro, and that's why uh, Gallo didn't remember my name, and then took on a life of its own. I think if if Gallo had known at the time that you were a Bernie bro, he absolutely would have remembered your name. I guess that's a good point. So, I guess he knows now. Suck bro. it, Hey Dad. I don't know. So, so Borky, when we had the, um, you've heard this story, haven't you? Yeah, I've heard this story. So, so the night before uh, we were at Old Waverly this summer, uh, the good people at Old Waverly hosted us for a dinner. There were several of us from uh, from Super Talk that were there, and sat down. Rippy and I kind of went through the line, 
fixed our plates and you can take it from here if you want to. You, you carried your plate and decided you wanted to sit down at, at Gallo's table or were you already seated? Well, at that point, I didn't like all of our friends there at like at Old Waverly, which was a lot of fun, by the way. I, I didn't, we had just met them like five minutes before, so I didn't know where to sit. We had gotten separated and I just saw Gallo who, you know, thought we knew each other. Apparently that was only one way street at that point. And I decided to sit down and he looked at me and said, have we met? And I, there was one of those that was, like I thought he was joking, so I kind of started to like chuckle, and then I looked around and I'm like, "Oh, this guy's serious." Oh, you're the only guy I laughing. My, I just stuck my hand out, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm Brian Scott Rippy, Rush Rush Chair. Dang glad to meet you." I, I I didn't know what to say at that point. I was like, "I guess I'll just take my loss." And how many times had you been on his show at that point? I think at least twice, <laughs> maybe more. He'll stop calling you now. Well, as a result of telling this story on oh, the Oh, no, just like you, you'll be on a show like every week for a month and then you'll disappear for a year and then he'll bring you back and then you'll disappear again. Well, I mean, I guess I'd never really... I, he definitely said my name on the show before because I feel like if he was like, now welcome me on Chris, like I would remember that. But <laughs> I, I was, I was a, little, a little taken aback by that at this point. I wasn't like offended per se. I was mostly just kind of amused. I was like, oh, this guy really has no idea who I am. So do you think? And it th- wasn't like a you don't know me type of thing. I just thought we knew each other. Mm. Do uh, do you think at this point there's anybody still in the company that doesn't actually know who you are? That there's some I guess of our there's a local station shot. people. The local that stations yeah. people wouldn't wouldn't know he him or I by 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 sight. I would think. There are some that that would, but that, that we've done remotes with. But for yeah. example, here in Starkville, I mean, if if Rippy walked in the front front door, nobody's going to know who he is. Mm. They would just smell his liberal agenda on him, and that's all. It would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess Did you go as Bernie for uh, for Halloween. I didn't dress up as Halloween, but <laughs> I'm instead I just I protested trick or treating as I did. Know. I stood out of my front door with signs the entire time and said, you know. I'm all for the redistribution of candy. The way we do it is unfair. That's exactly what I did on Halloween. What he did was when kids came up to the, the, the door, he just took their candy and was like, hey, some for all, all for some. You know? Yeah. It's like, let me make sure join, all this. Join Gallo tomorrow as Rippy discussed yeah. what's next for the Democratic Party. After I made sure everyone events. had the exact same amount of pieces of candy in their basket before they got any from me. It's fair. Well, hey, Dad. I mean, you steal from your kids. That's that's a tax again. It's not. Does the government steal from you? Is that what you're saying? Are you yes. saying on the air right now? You believe okay, that taxation got... is theft? That's yes. what you're saying, Richard Cross. Richard Cross, super talk employee, saying this. So, yeah, uh, the government gave me money back this year at tax time. Well, same here. Wait, that was, that was they don't really give it money, back, to wasn't you. it? They're <laughs> yeah. they're holding it as an interest free loan. Yes, I, I and I'm it wasn't kidding. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor Rippy, after that story, I'll quit picking on him from now on. That's on the ceasefire text line. I mean, it really wasn't that bad at the time. I was like, gee, this is rough. I might just go back to the hotel. But then I, I recovered pretty quickly. Uh, Gallo and, like, and Wait Perez. A I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Hey, I should have, honestly, there. I should have been like, uh, hey, name's Greg, and just seen how long he would have gone with it. Greg Smith? Yeah, you know, from the South Mississippi station. Nice to meet you, Paul. I'm Greg. I mean, you could have been one of the golf people. Or did he know you were a super talk person? 
I, I have no idea what he was thinking or what he thought or obviously it was not clear. Yeah. So we had a great conversation after that. Borky, apparently Gallo and Perez would not vote for you because they hate daylight savings time. Yeah, well, they also wouldn't barter a time switch with us, so I'm they're they're dead to me. Fair enough. I bet the other uh, two guys would have hated that. By the way, what you want? You wanted to switch times. You wanted to be on six to nine instead of uh, from three to six. Yeah, I offered to Gallo and Perez one day because they were talking about how getting up so early is so miserable, and I said, "Well, don't don't do it anymore. You guys can come on from three to six. And at the time, it was before the two Bryans joined us. I said, "Richard and I will do six to nine in the morning." And that got shot down Just immediately. Spoke for Richard like that, huh? Richard yeah, getting up I, I was at five say, did, did, did you run that by me, by the way? No, no. I was just seeing what they would say because I would rather do mornings personally. But <laughs> don't don't make that offer again because if they accept it, the show will be minus one, Brian. I promise you. <laughs> uh, Darren and Jackson has a question for Rippy. So, Rippy, in your world of fairness, should Dak Prescott make the same as your plumber? Yeah, answer that. I can't believe this is just this seed has been planted amongst people. Yeah, it should. That my answer is yes. Donald in Oxford wants to know if you really go by Brian Scott in public. I do. My dad, me and my my dad and I share the same name. Instead of me being Brian Junior, they decided for me to go by both names. And you've tried to drop one. You, you do, when it's convenient, drop the middle name. No, I just don't. I, I, it's difficult to explain, so if I get called by one name and not both names, I don't, like, object. It, your friends call you Rippy, though, so it's not a big deal. I mean, Gallo went 0 for 3 on the names, and I didn't object. So, like, it really doesn't matter. So Didn't you say your mom gets mad when you drop the middle name? She does. Very upset. I, had a, I remember when I was in Ohio for a while, my first or second byline there, they... It was just Brian, and my mom was very upset. Did she that. email the publisher and be like, uh, "I'm pretty she, she confident had, she, she had me getting all She just all took pictures of him on. from a distance. That's all she did. So you went to your boss and be like, "This doesn't really matter to me, but my mom really, really <laughs> wants you to put my middle name on my byline." Well, luckily, we had, luckily we would have a different guy every night that was like in charge of that particular game. So I would actually just sign my name at the bottom of the Google Doc, and he would kind of catch on. By the way, Donald in uh, Oxford says that you are such a millennial. I. Sorry, I wasn't involved in the convo when I was being named, pal. I was a little preoccupied with being birthed. <laughs> like I, I don't. Those, those cries were like, "No, name me Jim." Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really give me a say in that one. I don't. I don't. I don't have anything for you there, Don. <laughs> it's a Donald. Sorry, so millennial, too long. Uh, uh, question: Ceasefire text line. I tell you what, ask us anything about Rippy. We'll answer. What are people we'll here? This guy just asked me if I still live with my parents. No, I do not go. No, I do not live with my parents. We're talking about naming me. When I was zero years old, I lived with my parents. <laughs> Does Rippy still live with his parents? <laughs> uh, Rippy could just go by BS Rippy. That's according to Bruce. The, uh, and Donald also suggesting that you should just go by BS. Okay, so I don't know how old you are, Donald, but everyone in my life over the age of 50 makes the BS jokes, and it's a real knee slapper. So that's I can pretty much determine someone's age by them making the BS joke or not. Um, Sports Talk geez. brought to you every day by Mississippi <laughs> Land Bank. I'm just saying. If you've got land financing oh, or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi <laughs> Land Bank can help. 
All right, that's enough. They've been financing land for over 100 years. Check them out online, find a branch location, or give them a call. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Well, Sounds you're like a Bernie boy, so I just assumed. This joke has gone too far. It's it's not real. Hey, that is kidding. <laughs> Back Come after on. this in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Defensive Rippy is my favorite Rippy. Stan and Ripley. I don't even know how this started. Um, Rippy, I'm still waiting on the invite. That was from the... When you asked if he wanted to go to an Antifa rally with you. What was that? The uh, guy, he took a screenshot of the uh, text message that you sent him a couple of weeks back, back on the 24th of October, where you asked if he wanted to go to an Antifa rally with you. Am I saying it right? Antifa? Antifa? (laughs) I don't think so, but I guess I've got to cool it with the sarcasm when I check the text line once a month, because there's an alarming number of people that are taking this seriously. Um... Kevin from Winona, question, percentage of listeners taking this Rippy conversation seriously? Uh, Darren and Jackson. 50%. Yeah, I'm going to go at least half. It was Darren that asked about uh, whether or not Dak Prescott and uh, his plumber should make the same in the mind of Rippy. <laughs> Rippy's response, yes, I'm a huge socialist. Plumber and Prescott, exact same pay stub. There is a, sure has the teenager voice. Will and Eupora says, Borky, please put that last segment on the podcast for tomorrow. I turned on my truck just to hear Rippy going off on some random listener and would really like to hear the rest of it. I don't think I was going off. I just I don't understand this guy's logic. He seems very upset that I was not involved in the conversation of naming myself. Don't know Does Rippy still live with his upset. parents? Well, you're a, Ber- a Bernie boy, so I just assumed so. Rippy responded, I live in Venezuela. It's awesome there. Great food. They have a rapist. A what? A rapist? You should spell that for clarity, please. A R A A R A P E A S. They just opened a cafe here in Starkville. Very, very, uh, very, very friendly to your kind of people there, uh, Rippy. If you want to come eat lunch. <laughs> this got off the road. Oh, I've quickly. had those. Those are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tusk says that Rippy sounds triggered. Is that kind of like triggered Rippy is the best Rippy? I guess. This room is my safe space. Oh, we do have padding on the walls. We do. All I need is a stress ball. At least in a couple of places. It's falling off the wall in some places as well. Yep. Time for the college football fix. It is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. 42 consecutive years of the number one selling truck in America. The F-Series, the F-150 in particular. You can still great, get great deals and great financing on uh, 2019 versions of the F-150. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Conversations with Michael from a friend that he brings to the radio. What are we talking about today? So, looking at this Alabama-LSU game this weekend, talking to a, a buddy last night, and he actually brought up an interesting question. So, as an unbiased observer, just a college football fan, I would like to see LSU win this game. I want somebody else to make the college football playoff other than Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio State and Georgia. Just some 
parody would be great. So I want to see LSU win the game just for that reason alone. But when you're looking at it from the perspective of an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan, who should they rather see win the game? Because the point my friend made was this, and I think it's a a good one, even if it's just a minuscule difference. LSU winning this game, likely winning out, going on to win the SEC and making the playoff, adds another team that you have to worry about in recruiting and everything else that has rings on their fingers. Because right now in the SEC West, you're only dealing with Alabama. So them winning this game and going to the playoff again and maybe winning another national championship doesn't really change your dynamic much. Yes, LSU still gets players before Ole Miss and Mississippi State do. But the last thing you want is to add another team in your division that is competing for and winning national championships. I know it doesn't make much of a difference, but I found that to be an interesting angle, that if he's an Ole Miss fan, wants Alabama to win so LSU doesn't elevate into the category on their level, making it even harder for his Ole Miss Rebels to recruit and compete in that division. For the second time today, I will reference the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings where LSU is the top-ranked recruiting class in the Southeastern Conference. They're already there. The ring doesn't make a difference. Yeah, State's beaten LSU five times since 1985, Ole Miss 11. Kind of is what it is already. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually surprised that that Ole Miss number is as high as it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, what was that, one out of three, basically? One out of 3.2 or something like that. That's about right in the Ole Miss LSU series. It might, wait. You're not doing, like, the wins that were vacated, are you? No. Okay. So, yeah, wins on the field since 1985. 11 for Ole Miss against OSU. State has five. So that's 16 combined wins in how many games? Yeah, again, the question was, I mean, it's a minuscule difference, if any. I don't think it makes a difference at all. I don't think it's any difference. All right, just think, pick which team you want to see win this weekend and cheer for them. If you got Alabama fatigue, you're probably cheering for LSU. If you're one of those people that would cheer for the Russians against LSU because that's how it was. Has it ever been that hateful, though? Hey, Dan. What's that? Did you refuse to watch either of them? Oh, he's back now. Oh no, no, uh, no, not for not for this game. No, no, not, not for any. I'll watch any college football game. I don't. I don't if State's not playing, and I and I, I got freedom to of, to watch whatever. I'll watch whatever. Yeah, I think it cut out for a second. I was just, I was saying. It makes absolutely no difference. So just decide which team you want to win and cheer for them on Saturday. If you have massive Alabama fatigue, you're probably cheering for LSU. If you are the child or grandchild of somebody who you know grew up saying, well, I'd cheer for the Russians over LSU because of what the rivalry used to be between Ole Miss and LSU, then maybe you're cheering for Alabama. Or maybe you just hate both teams and as a result refuse to watch. I don't think there are many people that fall into that category, though. No, I don't either. But, but Borky, I just, I mean, I, I, I get what you're asking. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a question for fodder. I don't, I, I don't really think it matters either. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the the outcome of this game and whether or not one of these two teams wins a national championship makes one bit of difference because Alabama and LSU, as much as it hurts to say it, are just at such a different place as a as programs from where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are right now. I mean, always have been with the exception of a couple of years. Yeah, but the thing is, Ole Miss and Mississippi State were really not far at all from LSU just three or four years ago. Yeah, but that felt like and that it, it, it couldn't last. I, I don't think there were any MSU or Ole Miss fans who thought this is the new normal. That's fair. They can be what? competitive, though. That's what's it's kind of depressing right now is the fact that we've seen it in one way or another that, no, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are not – it's just not possible that they're competing for national championships every year. It's just not. But we have seen that with the right hire and stuff that they can be competitive occasionally with the best teams in college football. And right now – they're so far from that, it's it's kind of sad because now we've seen it. I mean, before these last few years, I mean, you had to go back to the 60s before you were talking nationally competitive. And so for the first time in a lot of people's listening, myself included, lifetime, just a few years ago, aside from people wishful thinking, yeah, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, we could beat them. We just need this, this, and this. You actually saw it happen. It actually worked. It was there. And now it's gone. And that wasn't, I don't think it was so much a flash in the pan as it was proof that it was possible, if that makes sense. It's it's possible, but it's not possible long term. There can be a year where both teams, or just one of those teams, jumps up. I don't think it's a year in, year out. Right, but you could win eight, Seven, eight, nine games a year, pop up, win 10 one year, seven, eight, nine yeah. games a year. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, absolutely. It's entirely well, not, possible. Nine, nine, it feels more like seven, eight a year. Sure. And then the jump up is nine or 10. But now look, and that's kind of depressing. Well, but that's not because of Alabama and LSU, I don't think. Oh, it's no. more because of what State and Ole Miss have done. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.